Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Master the Mouse. Hit it, maestro. Welcome to episode 34 of Master the Mouse. I'm Aaron. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. I'm actually really pumped about this episode. I'm flying solo, but that doesn't mean I'm any less excited. So let's dive right in. I've got a lot to cover. We've got some news to talk about. We've got a trip that my family secretly has planned and isn't going to tell our kids about, so I'm excited to talk about that, and just some opportunities to save money when booking your Disney resort. So I'm going to get into a little bit of that too, but before we begin... We got a review on iTunes, and we I'm just so pumped when people leave us reviews, or leave me reviews. I, it was an us thing with Griffin, and now it's more of just a me thing, but there's people that join me on the podcast, and they're just as much a part of this as I am, but we got a review from MBC underscore 1208. They left us a five-star review as well as, as some kind words, and it really meant a lot to us. It really gives us the encouragement that we need to keep producing this podcast. So thank you for leaving the reviews, and if you feel so inclined after listening to this episode, we would love to have your feedback and input. So if you don't mind going out to iTunes and giving us a rating in that five-star review, that would be most appreciated. The first bit of news that we're going to talk about is there was recently a new restaurant that has been announced to come to Hollywood Studios and and just for starters let's just say that Hollywood Studios needs help in this space the restaurants and menu offerings in Hollywood Studios are the worst compared to any other of the Disney theme park resorts the fact that there's a new restaurant and new offerings coming to Hollywood Studios is a huge plus however I'm not thrilled about what's being offered there. So the new restaurant is a Woody's Rodeo Roundup Barbecue themed, I guess. is it, There's really not an official name released, but it is a going to be a barbecue restaurant over in Toy Story Land. Right when you turn the corner where you see that big Woody and he's kind of welcoming you into that Toy Story Land, right off to the right beside him there will be a new barbecue restaurant and so the menu hasn't been released yet the theming is going to be as though andy has set up this 3d he's created out of cardboard these these 3d characters and he set up a a rodeo arena where his all his toys can be a part of the rodeo and so that's kind of the theming that you're going to get in that restaurant and of course what rodeo would not be complete without some barbecue so Another offering coming to Hollywood Studios, which is great. It's going to be one of the only places in Toy Story Land that's going to be air conditioning. If you've been, then you'll realize, you'll know already that there isn't much shade. There isn't escape from the heat. It is all out in the open. But this will provide that oasis in Toy Story Land where you can cool off, get some shade, get some AC, get something to eat. So from that perspective, it's really cool. But I don't know, from a food perspective and from an offering perspective i'm just not really pumped about another barbecue restaurant in walt disney world i i I think there were so many other things that i could have gotten excited about but this isn't one of them but you know jury's still out obviously the restaurant doesn't have a, a official release date either so there's just a lot of speculation 
but something maybe to look forward to, I suppose, in, in Toy Story Land. So I wanted to mention that for any of you that have trips planned or are looking forward to going, just keep that in mind as an option, potentially, if your dates align, that there'll be a new restaurant down there to take advantage of. We're actually going to stick in Hollywood Studios and talk a little bit about Galaxy's Edge. There was some cool news that was just recently released at the beginning of this week about Galaxy's Edge. Not necessarily about Galaxy's Edge, more or less about Hollywood Studios in general. Disney actually released its new concept that it's coming to all the resort guests called Extra Extra Magic Hours. So if you're familiar, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, that if you're staying on Disney property as a resort guest, you have the opportunity to enter the parks an hour earlier before the general public. It's either an hour earlier or an hour later. So you have that opportunity as a resort guest. Well, Disney understands that when Galaxy's Edge opens, there's going to be a mad dash in everyone that's either a Disney fan or a Star Wars fan or even local to the Orlando area is going to want to check out Galaxy's Edge. And so they they understand this, they know it, they expect it. So what they've done is they've released extra, extra magic hours. Guests staying on Disney property will actually be able to enter Hollywood Studios at 6 a.m. So from 6 a.m. until 9 a.m., Hollywood Studios will be open, Galaxy's Edge will be open, Toy Story Land will be open, and select other attractions. So my guess is that Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror will also be open. But... Those uh, that theme park will be open to resort guests from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And so 9 a.m. general public will be able to enter the park. But those three hours prior to that will be open just to resort guests. Now, the reason that's significant is because there will be no fast passes upon the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Hollywood Studios. So that's something that also Disney announced. So don't expect to be able to grab a fast pass and then you know go up to Hollywood Studios and into Galaxy's Edge at 10 a.m. and be able to utilize your fast pass because they just won't exist. So really the only way to avoid extremely long lines and the extreme crowds that Galaxy's Edge is going to pull in is to be a resort guests and so that means staying on site and that means you know paying the premium for those resort rooms but as we'll get to a little bit later in this episode it will we'll give you some ways to avoid maybe the steep price tag that'll be associated with some of those rooms upon the release date of galaxy's edge that's that's pretty significant news just the fact that there isn't going to be fast passes available for galaxy's edge so my guess is that once that opens up and extra extra magic hours becomes a popular thing disney is going to obviously drive more people into their resorts which is great for them but then there will become a whole new strategy around getting to hollywood studios and getting in the parks at 6 a.m and getting those galaxy's edge rides you know underneath your belt and experience that immersion before the general population gets in there and just you know creates a log jam in that space so my guess is it'll be similar to the flight of passage in pandora at animal kingdom you know even though that those parks on extra magic hours opens up at 7 a.m people get there an hour and an hour and a half before the actual park opening just so they can be you know, at the front of the line to get onto that attraction first. And my guess is Galaxy's Edge will be no different. In fact, it'll probably be even a little bit more congested. My guess is if the park's opening at six, there will be people there at five, 4.30, 
I mean, even on opening day, my guess is there'll be people lined up even before 4.30 to get into Galaxy's Edge and be one of the first people that get to see that new area of that theme park. So be prepared for that. I think it's a great opportunity that Disney's created for guests to leverage staying on site and on property. Having extra, extra magic hours is a huge benefit. In fact, it's not just limited to Hollywood Studios. Disney understands that you may be staying at a week at a resort, but you're obviously not going to be at Hollywood Studios every morning. So extra, extra magic hours also takes place at Epcot as well as Animal Kingdom. And so you'll be able to get to those parks earlier as well along with Hollywood Studios. Now, the hours are a little bit different on the other two theme parks opposed to Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios is from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., and I believe the other two are from 7 a.m. until 9 a.m. So not quite three hours, but still enough to take advantage of, of those extra, extra magic hours and even pack more into your day if you're so inclined to wake up a little bit earlier, start your day earlier. You know, Griffin and I, in previous episodes, really have mentioned the fact that, you know, we get up early, we go hard, and then then we take that break in the middle of the day, head back to the resort, relax, maybe take a nap, maybe hit up the pool, and then head back to one of the theme parks again to close out the evening. So this is just another way to take advantage of that as well. So if you get up at if you get up at you know five o'clock and and make it to those resorts by six or seven or those theme parks by six or seven then you can go hard for a couple hours before the park even starts to fill up and then you know take a mid-morning to to late afternoon break and then hit it hard again in the evening when the when the crowds died down again so that was that was a some big news related to galaxy's edge that we wanted to keep in mind the next bit of news that impacts just a lot of people myself included is Disney effective May 1st, which was just earlier last week, instituted a new policy concerning strollers. So there are some new stroller restrictions. So if you are bringing your own stroller from home, if you've packed it in the car or if you've carried it on your on your flight down to the Orlando area, which is, you know, that's what our family does all of the time. We take our own stroller with us just because we're fond of our stroller and our kids prefer it other than to others. We take our own. Now, luckily, our stroller meets these meets the criteria, but I wanted to give you the dimensions of these new stroller restrictions because the fact of the matter is, if your stroller doesn't meet these dimensions, then they will not allow you to take the stroller into the park, which, you know, if you've already lo- loaded down your stroller and your kids are expecting to ride in it and all of a sudden you can't take it in, you got to unload it all. You got to maybe even rent a stroller from Disney and then, you know, reload all of your stuff onto the stroller. And then I'll be honest, those Disney strollers aren't really comfortable. They're not conducive for kids to be able to kind of relax. They're just hard plastic with wheels on them. So bear that in mind. In fact, the dimensions themselves are in a painted white box on the ground. And so when you are getting ready to walk through the turnstiles, the cast member will actually ask you to put your stroller in that white painted area. And if it doesn't fit, then you're not getting in with that stroller. And so we just wanted to keep you in that in mind for you. And those dimensions, let me read them off for you so you're familiar with it. It's 31 inches wide and 52 inches long. The maximum it can be is 31 inches wide and 52 inches long so really that restricts double strollers it also restricts stroller wagons in fact disney just has a blanket policy it doesn't matter what the dimensions are wagon strollers are no longer permitted inside any of their theme parks and so 
if you're not aware of that new release that Disney has made for stroller restrictions, we just wanted to make you aware of it because no one should be caught off guard when they're spending that much money on their trip and their kids are all excited and you get ready and you think you're going to be walking down Main Street and all of a sudden you're hit with something unexpected and you're having to unload a stroller, rent a stroller, reload a stroller. Your kids are pulling on your your shirt trying to say, you know, Dad, when are we going to when are we head to the next ride and all these people are passing you, then the lines are built up and then it, it just makes for a pretty lousy start to a day. So keep that in mind when you are considering bringing your strollers if you have little ones and keep those dimensions close to you. In fact, just, I know it sounds kind of nerdy, but go ahead and just measure the stroller that you have if you're taking your own and just make sure it meets those criteria of 31 inches wide and 52 inches long. So wanted to pass that along to you as well. The other bit of news that was released, and quite frankly, I'm a big fan of this news, is that there is now a no smoking policy in all of the Walt Disney World theme parks. So before, there were designated areas where you could smoke. I'm not a tobacco user at all, so it it makes no difference to me. I just like the fact that there's not going to be areas of the park that I'm going to have to walk through, that I'm either going to have to smell smoke or inhale smoke or, you know, explain to my kids what those people are doing over there. My kids are little, so they, they don't quite grasp the concept of smoking. It's foreign to them. So having to explain that whole situation. So I, I'm a big fan of it, but there, I mean, there are some people that it's going to catch them off guard and, and they're going to have to actually exit the park if they want to take a break in the middle of the day or morning or afternoon to be able to smoke. You're going to have to actually leave the park, leave the security checkpoints, go to that designated designated area to smoke, and then re-enter the park, re-go through security, and then meet your party back up if that's something that you are going to be doing on a regular basis. So keep that in mind as well for those of you that do smoke, or just know that for those of you that don't, that now you know you can be rest assured that the Walt Disney World theme parks are indeed now smoke-free completely through the all four parks there in the Orlando area. All right, last bit of news that we want to touch is that Illuminations, unfortunately, is coming to a close. This isn't necessarily a surprise to anyone. It's not necessarily new news, but wanted to make everyone aware as you're planning a trip, or if you've got any trips planned on the books now, or if you're planning a trip in the future, if you are super pumped about Illuminations, just know that there is an end date that is illuminations will be no more and that end date actually is september 30th of this year so make sure that if you're wanting to catch one last final show that you get down to walt disney world before and not just to walt disney world specifically epcot and get there and view illuminations prior to september 30th 2019 because at that point, Illuminations will no longer be there. There will be a new show that will replace it. My expectations for that show are pretty high. I enjoy Illuminations. We've talked about it before on the podcast. I just think that message that Illuminations gives to people, the music, the theming, just the way that all the countries are involved, it's just its a really great show. And when you leave, you just can't help but feel good about humanity and, and your common man. But I so I have high expectations of this new show. I hope it's every bit as good as Illuminations. The obviously verdict and jury until we actually get to view that show. But I have high hopes. Bearing Illuminations in mind, because I'm 
flying solo on this podcast and we didn't get to do a question of the episode, I'm going to take a moment right here to talk about a little fun fact or fun facts, if you will, about Illuminations that some of you may or may not know. So Illuminations, just from a monetary standpoint, costs about $25,000 a night to produce. Now, just put that into perspective. That's $25,000 a night, and that show pretty much runs 365 days a year. And so if it runs 365 days a year at $25,000 a show, that's $9.1 million annually that Disney spends just on Illuminations alone on that production, which I don't know. I don't know if you guys dig numbers or if you geek out on that type of stuff like I do. That's a huge number to me, and the fact that you can spend $9 million on fireworks, it not even think twice about it. I mean, when July 4th rolls around or New Year's Eve, like it hurts my wallet just to spend 50 bucks on some sparklers and, and firecrackers to light up the night to celebrate January 1st or July 4th. And so I can't imagine spending $9 million annually on just one fireworks show when you really have got, you've got, a, obviously you've got Illuminations, You've got Happily Ever After. You've got Star Wars Galactic Fireworks at Hollywood Studios. So you got three shows there in the Walt Disney World area that who knows what the other ones cost. I just looked up Illuminations. But $9.1 million annually. It's kind of mind-boggling. The other cool fun fact about Illuminations is there's over 2,800 shells that are launched to produce those fireworks displays. And not only are there over 2,800 shells that are launched, they're actually launched from 34 separate locations. So even that is kind of crazy to think about. When you think about Illuminations, you think, hey, I, I'm, I'm just viewing this in the World Showcase, and you know there may be five or six different locations that they're shooting these off of, the top of the different countries there surrounding World Showcase. But really, there's 34 separate locations that those fireworks are being launched from, which I think is also kind of mind-boggling to think about that, that all the different places that they could be launched from. So I think that's pretty cool as well. Okay, the other thing that we mentioned that, that I was going to talk about in this episode is the trip that our family has just recently planned. We're actually keeping this a secret. So if you see my kids, if you happen to listen to this podcast and live in the greater Nashville area and see my kids, don't say anything to them because they don't know. We're actually going to surprise them on the morning they wake up and just say, hey, guess what? We're going to Disney today and we're going to go down there. It's going to be a quick trip. We're leaving August the 2nd and we will be in Walt Disney World until August the 5th, and we'll come home on August the 5th. But the reason I bring that up is because this was kind of last minute-ish trip to plan. We, as you guys know, because I make this podcast, I'm a planner, I'm a Disney planner. I like to have things documented and planned out well in advance. I normally have my dining reservations 180 days in advance i've got my fast passes booked as soon as i can get them in fact i i do the whole dummy leading reservation and and book as soon as i can typically it's it's more than 60 days in advance so i'm that type of a planner so to plan a trip this soon um, it feels last minute to me at least but i wanted to share just a little bit about how we booked it 
why we booked it, and then some savings that we realized because of how we booked it. So, you know, the reason we booked it is just we wanted to take one last trip before school started, and school actually starts here in the Nashville area the week after we get back. And so we wanted to take one last weekend and, and surprise our kids and say, hey, we're just going to go down a quick trip, go down on a Friday, come back on a Monday. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're actually going to be staying at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. We've got a Savannah view of a studio, which we are super pumped about animal kingdom from a theming perspective and from a resort amenity perspective is probably one of our favorite resorts now transportation is a is an issue and a hurdle that we've you know had to get over by staying all the way out in animal kingdom lodge but it's a sacrifice that we've been willing to make because our kids just have an absolute blast they have kids activities they've got a playground they've got a huge splash pad They've got multiple pools with multiple slides. They've got, obviously, the animals to view. They've got great food options. I mean, you could make a trip going to Disney and actually not even leaving Animal Kingdom Lodge, and you'd have a fantastic time. And, in fact, we're actually, even though we're going down for the weekend, we're, we're only going to the park one day, if even that, and we're going to spend the most of our time, you know, just hanging there out at the resort. But I just wanted to share a little bit about how we booked it and the cost savings that we realized by booking it the way we did. So as you guys know, I've, I'm a big proponent and a huge fan of renting DVC points. And by far, it is the most cost-effective way to stay at deluxe resorts on Disney property for a, a reasonable price. So I, I'm going to run through some numbers of you know what we booked versus if I looked at the same dates in some of the other Disney resorts, what it would cost there. So as I mentioned, we are staying at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. We have a Savannah view there at Kidani Village at the DVC portion of Animal Kingdom Lodge. And so we're checking in Friday and we're checking out on Monday. And all in all, after we rented those DVC points, it cost us roughly $750 for, for that trip, just for the lodging. Now we're not gonna get into tickets or food or you know flights, transportation, anything like that. This is primarily and strictly going to be just about the lodging. So we booked that $750. We'll just use round numbers just because it's easier. So so there's the benchmark, $750 for Studio Villa at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Now, I'm going to throw out some other numbers just to compare to other options that were available to book directly through Disney. First up and the least expensive is, so I, I searched those same dates. I went out and I looked at the cheapest value resorts that I could find. And the, and the cheapest one for those dates was All-Star Music. So All-Star Music for those same dates, August, first, uh, August 2nd through August 5th, was $485. So obviously, you know, about $300 less than what I spent. But what I'm losing there is the amenities, the food service, the games for the kids, slides at the pool. You know, the the value resorts don't have slides. Not that that's a deal breaker, but, you know, my six-year-old loves going down on the slides. So that was something that I wasn't ready to sacrifice for this trip just because it's quick and we want to try to maximize our resort time as long as we're there. So the next one on the list is Coronado Springs. As, as you guys know, it's a moderate resort. There's some construction going on, so the prices are reduced there as far as the costs associated with staying there. That cost for the same dates, again, August 2nd through the 5th, I'm just going to reiterate them, is $623. So about $130 less than what I spent. Again, 
There's construction going on there, so that would be a little bit of a nuance. The resort is spread out. The transportation isn't much better than what I would get at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Now, the proximity is a little bit better. You're closer to Hollywood Studios and Epcot, and especially with the gondola starting to fire up, that resort may have made a little bit more sense, but for the price and what I was getting at Animal Kingdom Lodge, I still really wasn't ready to sacrifice what I had going there to stay at a moderate resort. Again, just to keep in mind, Animal Kingdom Lodge is a deluxe resort, so it's at the top end of any of the resorts from a, a amenities and a luxury perspective that you can get on Disney property. The next resort and, and the next expensive resort is Caribbean Beach. So that's 761. So we're actually a little bit more expensive than what I've spent at Animal Kingdom Lodge now at Caribbean Beach. And that one is at, again, a moderate resort. There is one dining option there. They've got a food, uh, uh, one dining as far as a sit down restaurant. Now they've got a food court. They've got a pool with a slide. Again, that resort is spread out, multiple bus stops. It's the only way to get to and from the resorts. Proximity is a little bit better. Again, the gondolas, once they start, or the Disney Skyliners, should I call them gondolas or Skyliners? I think I'm kind of stuck on gondolas, but that's neither here nor there. Once those get fired up and up and running, those will be actually really convenient for Caribbean Beach, but 761, now I'm talking about spending more money than what I did at Animal Kingdom Lodge for not as many amenities as far as I'm concerned. The next is actually, if I booked Animal Kingdom Lodge through Disney, that was 982. So obviously we're comparing apples to apples here and Disney was gonna cost about $230 more total than what I spent renting DVC points. The next one on the list is the Yacht Club. If I were to go out and pick the Yacht Club, it would have cost me $1,225. Now, I'll have to admit, I was close to pulling the trigger on this one. If you guys know me, you know I've talked about the pool, Sormalong Bay, that is the shared pool between the beach and the yacht club. Now, I was very tempted to go ahead and book this resort because the proximity to Epcot and Hollywood Studios, we're only going to be in the park for one day, if that. We're going to spend the majority of our time at the resort, and so... The fact that we would be at the resort, it's August, it's gonna be hot. We really wanna be able to take advantage of the resort amenities and the pool situation. And that resort by far, hands down, it's not even close, has the best pool option. Not to mention some great dining options and just not to mention just some cool areas around that resort. I mean, the boardwalk is right across the water there that you could go out and spend the evening there at the boardwalk, go over to Ample Hills and get some get some ice cream, head over to Jelly Rolls and check out what's going over there at the Dueling Piano Bar. So there's a lot of options there to take in. And, and I, was, I was considering that one. But again, as I looked at it, I don't know that $500 for this trip was worth it. I mean, $500 would have gotten my family, does get my family into the theme park. So we're talking about a day at the park versus, you know, the resort amenities. And, and I don't know that I could have swung that. And then the last thing that I looked up is actually the Animal Kingdom Lodge Savannah View at the Jumbo House. And so if you guys are familiar with Animal Kingdom, you know that Kidani Village is the DVC portion. It's a little bit further down the road at Animal Kingdom Lodge. And then the main Animal Kingdom Lodge is called the Jumbo House. And if I were to have booked a Savannah View at the Jumbo House, it would have cost me $1,365. So really all I'm saving there is a trip 
a little bit further down the road. So when you stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge, if you haven't ever stayed there before, you realize that it doesn't matter if you're staying at Kidani or if you're staying at Jumbo House, you get access to all of the resort amenities regardless of where you're staying. So if you're staying at Kidani, you can go use the Jumbo House pool, you can go eat at the Jumbo House restaurants, you can go do the Jumbo House kids activities and vice versa. So the only difference really is the distance to either walk or ride a shuttle to and from those two lodge houses. And so it wasn't really worth paying double the price almost for us just to be in the jumbo house. So I wanted to run through that list and give you guys an idea of the cost savings that can be realized just by renting DVC points. So obviously you can still save a ton of money if you're willing to stay at the value resorts, which by no means, if that's what you can afford, you can have a fantastic time don't hear me wrong there is that from my perspective I would rather spend a little bit more money even though I know this podcast is about saving money I'm also about having a great time and creating memorable experiences for your family so if I have the option to either stay at a moderate resort or for the same amount of money or less stay at a deluxe resort I'm gonna choose the deluxe resort 100% of the time and that's what we've done in this instance and so Again, I wanted to throw out those options to you guys, let you guys know what what I'm thinking through when I'm booking my hotel reservations, and I hope you found it helpful. And I just know, like, so comparing apples apples to again, if you were just to have gone out onto Disney's website and to said, hey, I want to go stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge, I don't care about which house I'm staying in, but I want a Savannah view for my family, that would have cost you almost $1,400. I did the same thing and I rented DVC points and it cost me roughly half, $750. So just by doing a little bit of research, just by doing something a little bit different, I was able to save almost half of what it would cost if I would have booked directly through Disney. Now, when you enter that stuff into the Disney website as a user, so you know you create your Disney profile and your account where you can manage all your reservations, Once you rent DVC points, you get a confirmation number and you plug it into your account on Disney and it's no different than if you had booked right through them. So keep that in mind too. There's really not a whole lot of difference too after you've booked by renting DVC points opposed to booking through Disney. You still have a confirmation number. Your reservation is secured. It is in your name. Disney... Disney doesn't care at that point. They just, uh, they're just excited to have you as a guest. Keep that in mind. Renting DVC points is obviously a great tool to utilize. And there's a lot more to come that I am working on to arm you guys with the information to save money when you are booking those reservations for your lodging. So be on the lookout for that. There's some big things coming in that space that I am working on and excited to share with you guys about. I think that wraps up this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it wasn't kind of too fast-paced and, and too numbery. I don't know if numbery is a word, but it's felt numbery to me. I hope it didn't come across that way. I really just wanted to give you guys some information, and hopefully uh, it, it'll help you guys when you're starting to plan your next trip. If you get a minute, we would love to hear from you. If you would rate and review us on iTunes, if you go out and follow us on our social media accounts, you can just search for us at Master the Mouse. It'll come up on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter. We love engaging and interacting with you guys. It brings a little bright spot to, to our day when we see you guys out there commenting on our posts and interacting with us. We thoroughly enjoy it and appreciate it. 
On behalf of Master the Mouse Podcast, I'm Aaron, and we'll see you real soon. Thank you.